BAM! Good morning. This is Vince Davis. I'm an attorney licensed in California, and I'm an expert in CPS cases. Today we're going to talk about non-offending parents. Richard, this show is dedicated to you and your email that you sent last night. Let me read it to the audience. Could you please do a show on the rights of non-offending parents and how to get kids back from foster care when you're the non-offending parent? What a great question, Richard. So let me tell you about non-offending parents. Tell you a story. This story takes place probably about 20 years ago. All right. 20 years ago, if you were a non-offending parent, there was never any question, none whatsoever, that you get your child back. Now, since 20 years ago, things have changed a little bit, mainly because Richard, non-offending parents and their attorneys don't do what they're supposed to do. Now, that's just you know, my humble opinion. Well, let me give you the classic non-offending parent um, case. Mother and father have a child. Mother uses drugs. Uh, they take the kid away from the, ch from the mother. And the father, who had not been visiting regularly, <clears throat> you know, lives in another county or another state. Well, under the law when, and under, under practice, when I first started, that would be a true non-offending parent. You didn't cause the reason for CPS to get involved. And it seemed like CPS, as long as you wanted, would give you the child. Now, there are some situations where non-offending parents or parents who haven't seen the child can't or don't want to take care of the child. So naturally, you know, we try to find another relative or family friend to take the child, uh, usually of the mother. But you have rights as the non-offending parent. And a lot of things happened um, over the years, uh, over the last 20 years that have affected your rights as the non-offending parent. In California, California has come up with several different degrees of parental status um, and what you want to do is you want the court to rule right at the beginning of the case that you're the presumed father now we'll talk about the different types of fathers in another video but you want to be the presumed father and you want to fight to get the child in your home so these are the cases i see nowadays we have a non-offending parent usually the father and all of a sudden, the social worker doesn't want to give the child to the father. What the parent has to do, and the father in this case, you have to fight to enforce your rights. You have the right to have custody of your child, period, end of story. In order for them to keep a child away from you and to place the child in foster care, they have to prove by clear and convincing evidence clear and convincing evidence 
that you are a substantial danger to the child. And this is a big and there are no less restrictive alternatives other than placing the child in foster care. So that's two things the social worker has to prove that you're a substantial danger and you got to be a bad MF to be a substantial danger to a child and by clear and convincing evidence that there are no less restrictive alternatives. Now, if you are truly non-offending and they haven't made any allegations against you, I don't see how they can prove that. But what happens a lot of times is they put on you what's called a subdivision G, that you haven't supported the kid or you haven't seen the kid, or you quote unquote abandoned the kid, all that type of stuff. Well, my advice to you is to sit down with your attorney and explain to your attorney that you want to have a trial. Trial means you present evidence. Evidence is witnesses and exhibits. Trial is not when your attorney gets up and just argues because we all know from my prior videos, argument is not evidence. And the social worker always presents at least two pieces of evidence, the detention report and the jurisdictional dispositional report. So if the social worker submits evidence and you don't submit evidence, guess what? You're gonna lose. Now, is this right morally? Probably not. Is it the law? most definitely. So you got to have that talk with your attorney to have this trial. <clears throat> Here's another story. This is a lot. This is a situation I see <clears throat> a lot. Mother's doing drugs. There's three kids and, you know, dad's in jail or in state prison. And the social worker alleges that the father has failed to contribute or take care of the kids because he's in jail. Okay. Now, here's where things go wrong. So if you're a relative or you know someone in jail with children, this is what you got to tell them. This is my humble opinion after 31 years of practice. If you're in jail and you assert your rights, you cannot lose your children to foster care. What happens is the social worker sends you a waiver in jail for you to sign and for you not to appear. And then you sign it and you don't appear. Probably having no um, direction from the uh, client to the attorney, the attorney doesn't set the case for trial to have the child placed with the father. Now you say, wait a minute, placed with the father? How can that be he's in jail? You don't have to have the child in your home physically. The law allows that you can pick a person and as long as that person is able to care for the child, you're good to go. Now here's what happens a lot of times. Father in jail picks his mother. Social worker doesn't like the mother, excuse me, the grandmother of the child, father's mother, and wants the child to stay in foster care. In my humble opinion, as long as grandma is sufficient, Grandma gets that kid because that's what father wants. But what happens when you're in jail and you waive your, uh, waive your appearance in court, there's no trial. 
right? Everybody submits on the social worker's report and the social worker is recommending, all right, is recommending the child stay in foster care. What, do, what are you going to do? Your child goes to foster care because you didn't come to court or you didn't let your attorney know, hey, I want this child placed with my mother. Now, another situation comes up. You know, it depends on what they call the procedural posture of the case. Like, where, where are we in the case? So what I just told you is a scenario of uh, before the disposition hearing. And the disposition hearing is such an important hearing, probably the most important hearing in the entire case, all right? But a lot of people contact me and tell me, hey, Davis, I'm the non-offending parent, and we're past the dispositional hearing. That means to me that you didn't assert your rights for whatever reason. All right, you didn't, you didn't know about your rights, your attorney didn't give you the right advice, you just weren't in a place to uh, take the child at that time. For whatever reason, you lost at the dispositional hearing and the child was placed in foster care. Now things are better, you know, you might be out of jail, you might be in a better position, you might have gotten remarried and, you know, your, your new wife is going to help you, just a lot of different things. All right, and you say to me, hey, Davis, how do I get my child back? Very simply. If it's before one of the statutory six-month review hearings, you file a 388. You sit down with your attorney, you file the 388 completely, not just the form that's provided on the internet or provided at the clerk's office. You got to fill out that form. You got to provide some evidence, declarations, pictures, videos, and you have to provide some points, legal points and authorities. Well, what's that, Mr. Davis? Those are written words where the attorney shows the judge by what the statute says and what the case law says supports your position to get a hearing under 388. So once you file a 388, you got you to gotta get over two humps. Number one, you got to convince the judge to give you a hearing. You know, I've heard many times the judge says, no, I'm going to deny your 388. We'll wait to the six-month hearing. I'm not the judge, that's the judge's decision. The judge has the discretion to do certain things. I mean, you can appeal the judge, but if the judge grants you a hearing, then you have to go to the hearing. And here's the all important phrase, burden of proof. You have to prove to the judge that it's in the best interest of the child to be moved from foster care to your home. Now, had you done this at the disposition hearing, the social worker would have had to prove, the social worker would have had the burden of proof to prove that you're a substantial danger and no less restrictive alternatives. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference, how important the burden of proof is? You know, yesterday I was in um, another county doing a uh, hearing and someone in my client's group said something to this effect. Mr. Davis, it's just not fair. It's not fair that they're doing this. Okay, you know, I mean, if we're talking morally and ethically, you know, everybody has different viewpoints of what's fair and what's not fair. And I told them, and I think they were a little taken aback. I told them, honestly, I said, look, I said, fairness, your sense of fairness has very little to do with this. 
Let's talk about the law. So don't go to court thinking the judge is going to do what you think is fair. The judge has to enforce the law as he or she believes it and sees it. Here's the real problem. Most people don't go to court at these hearings and they don't have evidence, evidence to prove their point. You can't just show up in court and say, hey, I'm the non-offending father, give me the kid back. I mean, 20 years ago, you could do that. You can't do that now. The laws, the way attorneys and judges feel about these different cases, um, they've changed slightly. You know, Maybe one day they'll swing back the other way. But as of now, if you're a non-offending parent and at your post-disposition hearing, you gotta go to court and you gotta fight, especially when the social worker is not recommending that the child be placed with you. Hey, these are my morning office hours at 6.30 a.m. every morning. And if you have any questions, uh, email me at v.davis at vincentwdavis.com. v.davis at vincentwdavis.com. Email me a question, and maybe I can answer that on my office hours just like I answered this question for Richard. You know, you're probably watching this because you have a juvenile court case or a CPS case, or you know somebody that does. Check out my website, fightchildprotectiveservices.com. There are a lot of resources there. Check the um, my YouTube channel, Vincent uh, Davis or Vincent W. Davis, attorney at law. Have a lot of resource videos. You know, um, on one of my, I think at my website, you can get a free copy of my book. And on Saturdays at 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., listen into our radio show at KABC 790 a.m. in the Los Angeles area or KABC.com. The show is live streamed on KABC's website. And you can listen to me anywhere in the world. We get a lot of calls from people from out of state, not just from the Southern California areas. So if you have a story to tell or a question to ask, give me a call. And then lastly, if you want to talk to me, give me a call, 888 888-6582. Listen, everybody have a good day, and we'll see you at the next office hours.